there. Welcome to this week's episode of Here's a Thought, the blogcast for people who overthink. I'm Jan M. Flynn, a writer and blogger, and when I'm thinking about anything at all, I'm probably overthinking it. If this describes you too, I get it. There are times when you could use some healthy distraction from whatever has set your brain on overdrive. So once a week, I offer you a brief break from the voices in your head by listening to the ones in mine. This week, I'm ruminating on one of the aspects of social media that doesn't get a lot of attention, like what happens when you find your old friend on Facebook and discover you don't want her back. Maybe something like this has happened to you. You had a friend, and at one point in your life, this person was a dear friend, someone with whom you felt an enduring connection, someone who made good times better by sharing them with you and whom you could count on when times were tough. Circumstances might keep the two of you apart for years at a stretch, but when you reunited, it was as though no time had passed. You know what I mean, that kind of friend. But then life took a series of hairpin turns, and the two of you drifted apart. You just lost touch. It happened gradually, the spaces between meetups growing longer, the distances becoming more than simply physical. You were no longer just far apart from each other, you were going in different directions. Meanwhile, life went on. And you lost contact. I had such a friend. We'll call her Emily. It's not her real name, of course. She and her husband lived literally an ocean away, but they were avid travelers, so my then-husband and I hosted them when they'd swing by our corner of the globe. Every now and then, the hubs and I would fly across the pond and visit them. The four of us traveled together, delighting in our different perspectives. And this went on for years and years. We had kids, they had kids. They had their quirks, especially a fondness for every wacky health regimen or gizmo that crossed their path, but that was amusing rather than troubling. No doubt we had our quirks, too, from their point of view. It didn't matter. We were like family, and you cut family a lot of slack. Emily was one of the most capable people I'd ever met. She could design and oversee the complete remodel of a house with the same easy competence with which she turned out phenomenal meals or sewed her own curtains. She had abundant energy, strong opinions, big feelings, and a lively sense of humor. Yet as accomplished as she was, she was subject to episodes of deep self-doubt and crippling anxiety. I admired her strengths and resonated with her flaws. Eventually, Emily and her husband moved to a different country, across an even further ocean, in search, as they always were, for a better life. It was a bit mystifying, as their lives and where they lived them already looked charmed to me. But I admired the zeal with which they conducted their pursuit of happiness. In their new land, they had a bumpy ride at first. They bought property on the coastline, built a beautiful home, bought a business, all in short order. The business proved unsustainable, and the stress of keeping it going brought them to their knees. In particular, it sent Emily into a tailspin— we commiserated as best we could. This was still pre-internet, pre-cell phones, when calls to that part of the world cost an arm and a leg. But they pulled out of it. Emily recovered, they sold the troublesome business, and made fortunate real estate investments. They were free to travel again, so they joined us in Southern California a couple of times. Their obsession with wonky health practices had increased, but whatever— they implored us to make the long journey to visit them at their home, and we promised we would as soon as we could. And we meant it. We really did. But then, calamity struck. 
My husband came home from work one day, went into cardiac arrest, and never woke up. Life, needless to say, turned upside down. Among the many strokes of grace that kept me going in those terrible days, one of the standouts was Emily. She knew I had a houseful of relatives during the run-up to the funeral, so she got on a plane and flew to L.A., timing her arrival for the aftermath. She stayed with me for ten days, relieving my sisters who had arrived to support me, but who needed to get back to their own lives. While I staggered along in a daze, keeping the business more or less going, she made sure the kids and I ate and had clean laundry. Life still felt unreal and would for a long time, but thanks to Emily's cheerful presence and her assumption that I was up to the challenge, I could keep putting one foot in front of the other. It was a great gift, and I will never forget it. Then Emily went home, and life went on. We checked in when we could, which wasn't often. I ran my late husband's specialty lumber business for five years. Meanwhile, I remarried, a man I'd known since my college theater days, an old friend who turned out to be a soulmate. With his unflagging help, I sold the business, got my kids through college, and dealt with the deferred maintenance on my house so we could sell it. At some point in all this, Emily and her husband came to visit. They were delighted that my new husband and I had gotten together. But there was something off in our former ease with each other. Emily's strong opinions had calcified into adamant positions. She tended to rant. Her health advice had progressed from mildly woo-woo to truly loopy. I shrugged it off, telling my puzzled husband that she was one of my best friends in the world and reminding myself of all she had done for me. Still, I had to admit to some relief when the visit came to a close. Then more years went by, but now there was social media. Emily and her husband seemed as content as I was to let the distance between us do its work. Still, we kept up via Facebook and occasional phone calls. I loved seeing the posts of their daughters growing into beautiful young women. I didn't love the increasingly strident posts from Emily, her anti-vaccine rants long before COVID, her embrace of conspiracy theories, Illuminati, anyone? Her opinion that Americans would be way better off if we embraced Lyndon LaRouche. Meanwhile, Emily had started her own online health foundation. It amounted mostly to a blog, although it did offer occasional in-person workshops in exotic locations. I looked in on it from time to time. Some of the practices it promoted were fine. Yoga, high-intensity interval training— some dubious, like unproven supplements, but nothing alarming, aside from the continued screeds against vaccines, but I'd heard the same thing from acquaintances in L.A., and I knew it was an impossible point to argue, so I didn't try. So she's getting a little kooky, I told myself. She means well. Aside from the vaccine thing, she's harmless. Then came the space alien warning. While scrolling through Facebook, I came across an item posted by Emily— with impassioned words, she urged everyone to participate in an upcoming global meditation to be held at a certain date, at the same time, all over the world. For a moment, I was intrigued. Here was something that Emily was promoting that I could get behind. I'd already participated in at least one group meditation, promoting peace and tolerance and stuff like that. How could it hurt? Then I read further. This meditation was to focus earthly energy on behalf of a group of celestial beings who desperately needed us to support their effort to fend off an attack from another group of celestial beings, evil ones, who would, were they to prevail, 
come and do terrible things to us earthlings. And this had all been carefully documented if you just knew where to look, and were smart enough not to listen to the naysayers. My jaw about hit the floor. This was wackiness of an entirely different order. I wondered if I should contact her husband. But I had no way to get to him directly, since the only number I had for them was a shared one, and Emily always answered. I checked his Facebook posts. They conveyed nothing but serene acceptance. Meanwhile, there were other Emily posts, normal ones. Pictures of their still lovely home, their daughters, their far-reaching travels. Well, I thought, lucky for her, she's wealthy enough to be just eccentric. But still, harmless. A few more years went by, and I spent less time on Facebook, and didn't see much of Emily there, which was fine. Then, shortly after the 2020 U.S. presidential election, during the holidays something came up that reminded me about Emily's extraordinary generosity to me during those fraught days after my first husband's death. I checked first for her husband's profile and couldn't find it. I didn't know if that meant he'd unfriended me or what. So, a bit nervously, I searched for Emily. And I found her. Boy, howdy! did I find her. Interspersed among posts of her daughters, grown now, even lovelier, was every kind of mouth-foaming, conspiracy-fueled diatribe at which you could shake a tinfoil hat. The pandemic? A hoax. Masks? Face nappies. They're for the pathetic and the credulous. The most recent election in her own country? Stolen, just like the one in the U.S. You know who was really behind the junta in Myanmar? George Soros, that's who. People had better wake up. And Emily expressed full confidence that in January of 2021, Donald Trump would be inaugurated as the rightful POTUS. It went on. I had to stop reading. It was bewildering to process. How could I square the woman who'd come halfway across the world to aid me in the worst days of my life with the unhinged whackdoodle on Facebook? I couldn't blame her delusions on Trump. She lived on another continent and I couldn't, any longer, dismiss her as harmless. All I could conclude is that the present Emily was not the past Emily, and there was nothing I could do about that. All I could do was to grieve the loss of my old friend, wish her well, and let her go. But I still haven't forgotten what she did for me, and if I ever get a chance to pay it forward, I hope I do half as well as she did. Thanks for listening to this episode of Here's a Thought with Jan M. Flynn. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, leave a positive review or a star rating, and tell your friends about the show. All of those really help build our audience. If you'd like to know more about me or check out my blog, please visit me at janmflynn.net. And until next time, may any reunions you have with old friends be harmonious and happy, and may all your thoughts be good ones.